Hey everyone, it's Heather from the Be Well team, welcoming you to season two of the Be Well podcast. Be Well is designed to help you flourish by providing programs and activities that enhance your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. We hope this podcast encourages moments of personal reflection and inspiration that will move you to live your best life. So welcome, and let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the Be Well podcast. I'm really excited that you're here today, and we're going to be talking about mental health, and we're going to be recycling, actually, one of our most listened to and one of my favorite episodes that we've done in the past. Um, This was an episode that we aired in April of 2022 with some of our best and brightest in the mental health field. Um, And that includes Dr. Carson Felkel, who's our system medical director of behavioral health. So before we dive in, I wanted to um, just provide some updated stats. So Mental Health America creates the state of mental health in America on a yearly basis. It's a pretty uh, in-depth, thorough report on adult and youth mental health and various categories and ratings Um, So the the 2023 report is out, and they have some pretty compelling data points that I just thought we would start with today, and then we can dive into Dr. Falkel's episode. So here they are. 50 million Americans are experiencing a mental illness. That's 21% of adults in America. 15% of adults have a substance use disorder and only 6.5% are receiving treatment. That leaves 93.5% of those with substance use disorders not receiving treatment. 4.8% of adults have reported serious thoughts of suicide. 55% of adults with a mental illness receive no treatment. That's over 28 million individuals in America. So I ultimately just wanted to begin this episode with those stats so that you can keep them in mind as we listen to our mental well-being and stigma episode from April of 2022. In this episode, Dr. Falkel discusses the general state of the world's mental well-being barriers to accessing mental health resources, and what you can do to help create a culture more welcoming of self-care and mental well-being. So sit back, and I hope you enjoy. I'm really excited to introduce our guests today, Dr. Carson Falkel, who is a child, adolescent, and adult psychiatrist and the System Medical Director of Behavioral Health, as well as Dr. Herbert Schum who is the Vice President and Medical Director, Education and Physician Engagement. So welcome. Thank you, Heather. Great to be here. Thanks. I'm excited to have you both. Um, Carson, would you do us the honor of sharing a reflection? I sure will. Um, Wherever you are listening to this, um, just take a moment to take a deep breath. Uh, Take a long inhale through your nose and hold it and then exhale through your mouth and Center yourself. Loving God, it is all too easy for us to adopt a fix-it kind of mindset with people. We are so skilled at healing bodies, yet we struggle at times with patiently attending 
to the deeper ailments voiced by many of those we encounter every day. Help us always remember to acknowledge and welcome the whole person who stands before us. May we perceive and respond to each person in all of their depth of mind, body, and spirit, showing everyone the inherent respect and dignity they possess as your children. Amen. Amen. That was beautiful. Do you know where that's from? It was actually available on Baltimore Mercy Health SharePoint. So someone um, crafted this in all their wisdom and I stole it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love that. I'm going to have to steal that one. Thank you for sharing that. So I thought that we might just dive in. So I would love to know from the both of you, how do you define the general state of the world's mental well-being right now? We're kind of in the midst of a really chaotic climate everywhere. <laughs> Um, so what would, how would you kind of define and sum up how everyone is doing? I'd be happy to take a stab at that, Heather. Um, not well. Uh, we are, as human beings, um, naturally resilient, and that's such a good thing. But I, I think many of us have been stretched over the last few years beyond our limits, um, while we're in this peri-pandemic or moving out of the pandemic phase, there's another wave of mental health crises that are coming our way. And we're certainly seeing this across our ministry in terms of the number of kids and adults who are having suicidal thoughts, drinking more alcohol, just not dealing well with stress. We've learned that uh, we all are human and our human bodies have their breaking point and we've really been pushed past some of those limits. I would make the argument that while we used to say one in five people had a mental health condition in our country, um, the psychiatric resources are saying it's one in three now. I might say it's even higher given that what uh, as a psychiatrist I call an adjustment disorder, if you have a trauma or a stressor and then within a few months, you develop symptoms of anxiety, depression, irritability. Um, that is an adjustment disorder. Uh, and I think many of us are um, struggling with that. I know I have at times. And one more comment on this is just that while we may be able to uh, feel like mentally we can move past some of these issues and uh, regain some of our old coping skills, one of the struggles with our brain is that it's linked to the body. And many of you may have heard this book, and if you haven't, I would suggest you read it. It's called The Body Keeps a Score by a psychiatrist, Dr. Vanderkolk. And basically our body remembers trauma. And so my worry as we move out of the pandemic is that our bodies and memories will still be traumatized and we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, I actually read that book a couple of years ago and just remember sitting there thinking, oh my goodness, this explains so much of what, you know, my personal experiences and a lot of um, my community, my friends, my family, um, I just really painted a clear picture of, wow, everything is so connected. My, you know, things that happen to me and the way that I process them in my mind are processed in my body. And so it's, it truly is a mind-body connection. Exactly. We have a nerve called the vagus nerve. It's a cranial nerve that extends from our brain down to our heart. Uh, and when you take a, a deep breath in, your heart actually uh, speeds up and then slows down. 
base off of your breathing. That nerve goes further uh, from your lungs down to your GI tract. So a lot of people that have GI problems, disturbances, they carry tension in their muscles. It's all really connected to the brain. I'm curious, Herb, you, I'm a psychiatrist and I can over pathologize things. You always come at things from a, a resiliency solution focused mindset. Um, how are you viewing um, these, these times? So Carson, I'm a family doc. I just try to put pieces <laughs> together. Um, I'm not real sophisticated. Um, you know, the, the thing, a couple of things I see and, and Heather, your comment about the experience, um, someone mentioned that we've all experienced the same pandemic, but our experience has been very different. And it goes back to that. What were our strengths going into this? Also, what were our experiences as we went through it? And I think of some of the terms that we used, like non-essential to label people, you know, uh, the experience of uh, quarantine or isolation, uh, when we look at uh, loss of autonomy or choice, you know, so many things that were public health issues became very political and very divisive. And that's where we've been as a society. Each of us individually have encountered it differently. And so it kind of sets the stage where we're at. Um, and Carson... I totally agree with your point of, you know, we're all adjusting and to varying degrees. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. This has been a stressor on you, on your family, uh, on your on your circle of influence. And so our, our general state, I would agree, is not great. It is stressed, but there's some real hope that we have available to us. Absolutely. How are you doing? No, really, how are you doing? Are you tired, feeling at the end of your rope, in need of a listening ear? Receive in-the-moment support through comfort rounds from a multidisciplinary team consisting of a chaplain, spiritual care, and a Life Matters counselor. Counselors from Life Matters, our EAP, will be on-site monthly to round throughout all acute care sites throughout the ministry and offer one-on-one -on -one 100% confidential sessions to provide the support you need. So keep an eye out for comfort rounds happening at your hospital. Yeah, so so we're not doing great. Nobody is really soaring right now, right? We're, we all have broken wings. Um, we're all struggling in some capacity. So what, what do you think are some of the biggest barriers for um, you know, the population at large, but also just our associates to really addressing this mental health crisis within ourselves. You know, one of the first things that we face is just our own denial. It's like, this can't happen to me. Uh, it's kind of our distorted view of reality, or it's not that bad. Somebody else is suffering worse. You know, we're a caring kind of profession. And so we want to look at others and we tend not to care for ourselves. But then there's also a real practical part of risk of getting help that we perceive. And sometimes I think we extort that or inflate that, but it's a fear of confidentiality, like who's going to protect my record, or it's a fear of loss of status or loss of license, or we've even seen experiences where people, you know, one tweet, one something they said on social media suddenly ends a career for someone. And that makes us withdraw even more and not get the help uh, that's available to us, would help us, um, and would, would really make a difference for us. 
Carson, what are you seeing? Yeah, I, I agree with all those comments. Um, early in the pandemic, I know I called Life Matters and reached out for help because I just didn't feel like myself and I wasn't snapping back as I typically would. I view us all as having this reserve tank. Um, like if we have a fuse, sometimes my fuse is longer, sometimes it's shorter based off of my reserve tank. And that reserve tank is constantly dripping out and I have to do things to fill it back up. And for me personally, that is exercising, um, good restorative sleep and, and eating well. Um, for others that entered the pandemic, perhaps with more um, like maybe a, an ongoing mental health or physical health issue, they were more vulnerable during the pandemic. Um, and, and like I said, with ad adjustment disorders, I'm pretty sure I have one of those. Um, there are real mental health concerns. And so whenever we talk about mental health, we certainly have to think about stigma. And we all have some stigma in the same way that we have our biases. And sometimes we know that we have them, sometimes we don't uh, know about it. But basically, I think stigma re revolves around the fact that we don't fully understand the brain. Um, the brain is such a cool organ. Um, and we've just finished uh, like, 10, the decade of the brain. And I'm not sure we've learned that much more about it. Perhaps maybe like uh, we know only 10%, the tip of the iceberg. And so for things that we don't quite understand, especially in the medical field, we have to feel like we, we have some type of uh, solution and we go around fixing things when we don't totally uh, know everything about it. In my mind, the heart pumps blood, the lungs oxygenate blood, the kidneys uh, clear toxins from the urine. The brain has really two functions. It controls our automatic, autonomic lives. Good thing we don't always have to think about driving, right? Uh, and the um, other thing that the brain does is it creates the mind. And the mind is why we talk about uh, psychological health and psychiatric health. Um, but the mind is created from the brain. And so when we talk about stigma, it's because we're not taking the whole person view. Uh, the pandemic has shown us that we need to be thinking about brain health, not just mental health. And brain health also means full body health. And I think for me, that's why running and exercising helps my mind. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So where do we see the role of leaders within our ministry, um, creating a culture that is more welcoming of mental well-being and really just taking care of our, our mental health um, and taking that time out for self-care. And I would even add that I think that we're all leaders in some capacity, whether we are leading people um, and our title as manager or whether we are, you know, not a manager at all, and, and we just see ourselves as a singular associate, I think that we all have the opportunity to lead in some capacity. So where do you see our role? Herb, you said this the other day, but I like the concept of uh, influencer um, and, and asking yourself, what is your sphere of influence? We've, we now have um, young social media influencers um, making billions of dollars um, because they have followers. And um, as leaders in healthcare or in our own family or on our street, we have a huge opportunity to influence others' behaviors. 
And I, for me personally, that starts with vulnerability and authenticity. Sometimes um, I say things that I shouldn't, I put my foot in my mouth, um, but I try to be as authentic as possible. And the reason I love coming to work every day is because I feel like I can be my full self um, and really connect with work um, from a spiritual domain where I'm living out a higher purpose. Without that, um, I would have uh, for sure been burned out already. Herb, what do you think about and suggest? No, I love that analogy. And, and, and I re- like the reminder that we're all leaders. Um, but, you know, something I've noticed, it's almost like a Venus Mars type of mindset. And I have people who say, all I can do is listen. And yet I have other people saying, I wish somebody would just listen to me. And I think one of the first steps is truly bridging that. And it's, it's that empathetic uh, type of leadership where you truly just pause and listen. If you have a meeting, if you're on a call and you sense somebody's tired or you truly don't just say, how are you today? You say, how are you today? What's really happening with you? How are you doing? And perhaps even if somebody isn't just quite on like you think, afterward, just follow up and say, hey, you didn't see yourself. Can we have a virtual beverage? Um, do you have a minute? Let's do the follow-up. Um, and moving away from our usual problem-solving mindset to moving into a caring mindset and that, that empathetic first, you know, in language of caring, we talk about the heart head heart. How do you open a conversation with that emotional connection and caring? Go ahead and take care of whatever the head part of your conversation needs to be, and then end it with that caring uh, portion of your, of, of the conversation. Herb, I know you're just a, a family doctor, as you said, but you're also a psychiatrist in my book. Um, one of the things I love that you do is that you ask with like true intent and body language, how are you? Like you just did. And then you pause and you let me just talk. And in a, on average, most people will talk for 90 seconds. I probably go well beyond that, <laughs> but you just listen and I don't have that in other aspects of my life per se. And so I appreciate that you do that. I don't know if that's a skill you've just developed over time or whether it's, it's just natural. A lot of people seem uncomfortable with silence perhaps, but you just create the space for me to be. And I appreciate that. You know, I read something yesterday on the art of caring and it talked about art in watercolor. And in watercolor, there is no white it's intentional space that's left in the painting. Uh, And it's the way with our conversation of intentionally leaving that silent space for the beauty of the whole painting. And and that's something I love with conversations of pausing and just listening and creating that white space. That's wonderful. Yeah, going back to Herb, what you mentioned, you know, if if you see that someone is a little off, um, maybe in the middle of a meeting is not the time to ask, hey, what's going on? But I, I had an experience um, a few months back. I was just not having a great day and I was on a, a, a big team call and I actually had one of my colleagues reach out to me. They just called me after the meeting was over and they said, hey, I noticed that you your voice was a little bit lower and you weren't as cheerful as you normally are. Are you doing okay? It went so far for me that day. It just gave me the space to really, truly share 
no, I'm actually not doing okay. And here's why. Um, and no solution came from that conversation, but me being able to talk about it and get it out. And also knowing that someone else noticed me in, in my struggle went so far and my day was significantly brighter from there on out. So I love that. I think it's, and it's not that hard. It's not that hard to do. We all notice when someone's a little off or a little down. So just that, that outreach goes really, really far. You know, one of the things that I think can help us have a little confidence to open that conversation, to walk into that space with someone is realizing that behind us, we truly have life matters. So if somebody is worried that, oh, I'm going to unravel a thread on the sweater I can't redo, you have Life Matters that can be a lifeline for you. And then also Carson uh, has led an amazing group of caring for colleagues that's mm -hmm. there that occasionally I'll just call one of them and say, hey, I was just on a call. This went somewhere I wasn't prepared for. Can you help me with this? And I've got those lifelines I can turn to. Absolutely. I agree. And those resources can be found on Be Well. Uh, we have a, a specific mental well-being tile in the featured section that folks can go and they can look at all of the different resources that we have that you can just, it can be a good starting place for you in your own mental health journey and your own self-care practice. We get a lot of people calling, just asking about what's the right next step for them. Um, just wanting to have someone listen to them. It, it's, we really aren't going to spring into action per se. That's not what you want, but we are there for really any concern. Even if you're thinking about um, another colleague that you're worried about, give us a call and we can um, just chat about it. Well, thank you so much for your time, Herb and Carson. I, I think that this was a really worthwhile conversation and it's got a lot of value in it. So thank you. Appreciate being included. Thanks, Heather. Bye, Heather. Bye, Herb. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the BeWell podcast. Remember, you can log into your BeWell account from home, work, or by using the Adoro app found on the Google Play Store or in the App Store. Visit bsmhbewell.com to access human performance coaching, well-being activities, virtual events, and the most up-to-date information on program requirements and deadlines. For questions and technical assistance, reach out to Be Well Support at 855-376-6474, weekdays 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thanks and be well. The information presented in this podcast is strictly informational and not intended to be used for or interpreted as medical advice. Always consult your physician before making changes.